Welcome to Screen Talk. I'm Eric Cohn. I'm Ann Thompson. And we are actually sitting across from each other at a table in the New York City uh, IndieWire offices in Bryant Park, which is super exciting and rare for us these it's days. Like a, it's like a uh, Stanley Kubrick 2001 booth at the airport or something. Yes, exactly. You know? well, the, the Very floor, modern. The floor that we're on used to be Pinterest, so use your imagination. But it is still nice to have you in 3D here in New York. So maybe just to get things going, you could talk a little bit about what you're doing here because so, it's nice to have you. Yeah, what, what brought me into town was the uh, memorial at the Paris Theater for... Tom Luddy, um, the late great, uh, they called him, uh, Annette Instor called him an impresario. And I think that's a really good good word because it captures the idea that this man who, who was very uh, foundational at the Pacific Film Archive and then later at Telluride Film Festival for decades, found, co-founder, um, that he was someone who uh, brought people together, introduced people, made things happen, got Woody Allen as well as Peter Sellers into Jean-Luc Godard's King Lear. You know, these kinds of things would happen. He played, he played golf with uh, Kurosawa. He, you know, he, he just put all these amazing people together. And uh, it's not just the Telluride Film Festival. It's the writers, the artists, the guest programmers. And so all of that sort of was brought to light by all the speakers at this event. I, I hate event. to make the comparison because I'm not a big fan of this movie, but he's almost like the the Forrest Gump of cinephiles, you know, it's like shows up everywhere. Yeah. I had, I remember it was really funny because I was, I I knew Tom a little bit in the last, you know, decade and change. I started going to Telluride, but I was actually better friends with another character of sorts from a similar generation who was an influencer. And that was Pierre Rissen who died just a few years ago. And he was kind of like the can whisperer. And I remember how I was talking to Tom Luddy about something related to Godard and Pierre's relationship to Godard because Pierre was in Breathless and uh, and 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 Luddy was just sort of like, well, I knew Godard way before Pierre, <laughs> and I just love that, you know, at least like to be lucky enough to have been around for that generation of people who are sort of like recognizing great cinema artists and well, getting them out there. One of the ones that he really championed from the very beginning was was Werner Herzog, and he wasn't he there, him. but but he 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 just did. He 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 was one of the first. But he just made sure that everybody knew about it. He programmed him at the Pacific Film Archives. Yeah. You know, I remember seeing even dwarves started small or, you know, I, I remember that, you know, from the late 70s. But but this man, Luddy, was just championing. You know, Kim Burns was always at the festival. Um, uh, Paul Schrader was always at the festival. Uh, you know, the, the year in, year out, people just came and hung out right. and returned. It was they didn't like have a, anything to sell. It they was like the, to be even if they didn't have a movie. And it was like a, a summer camp kind of vibe right you can't sort of cultivate that exclusively the way that festivals sort of have currency now with like sponsors and awards contenders being the thing that drives buzz that's that's an industrial and, relationship and uh, all but, of the media that yeah. attends uh, that so came later this is very different yeah but it is i mean obviously it raises some interesting questions about the future not just for telluride but for you know th- this kind of character in society and film culture being in such disarray you know, it's like well, this year we lost a lot of people, and I was thinking about some of the connections between an, an independent producer like Edward Pressman, who who just pursued the people that he thought was were cool. You know, David Byrne was at this party, right. uh, The after uh, of this event, and and David Byrne, 
uh, he, I don't remember seeing David Byrne at Telluride. I remember, I, mean, I asked him, I said, why, what, what, what's what you your relationship <laughs> with Tom? And he said that Tom was trying to produce a, a Latin music movie with him. It didn't get off the ground, but they stayed friends. They right. stayed in touch. Byrne felt um, inspired enough to show up at this thing along with Errol Morris and um, uh, our friend Julian Schnabel, you know, people like that, right. you know, came, came to pay, you know, uh, Laura Poitras to pay their respects. Yeah. You know? Well, what I was out last week, ironically, in the Berkeley area where in Albany where Tom lived and visiting friends. And then I was in San Francisco and, and went to the opening night of the film festival and they had slides coming up. Uh, before the show started, and one of them was a Noah Cowan slide because, of course, he was running that festival and, and it was a another character of a different generation, but another character of sorts who was a real another sort of influencer. Um, influencer and communicator who brought people together and uh, changed the way you looked at things. You know, a bit of a disruptor, someone who challenged the establishment. Yeah. Um, he, I mean, I think what's great about Luddy is that he was able to be in charge of this festival and bring all of these incredible people together year after year after year after year. Every every year there would be a couple of films that you never heard of that weren't on anyone's radar that a filmmaker you may never have, have heard of before that he found through this network of people tipping him off and letting him know. And it would always be a discovery there, uh, not just the expected movie. So the change for the future yeah. that we're talking about. The question there um, is is really about what is Julie Hunsinger going to do right. and how much of this legacy is she going to hang on to? Right. We know she loves to bring in the world premieres and, and the big Oscar contenders and Telluride has become very pivotal in yeah. the Oscar universe, although Venice is giving it a run for its money. Right. But the question there is, does she pursue the classics and the rarities or let other people do it? Well, you know, does she does she have that same um, eclectic embrace of people from all the different cultures? Right. Well, I mean, I think what's Julie does seem to be very popular with filmmakers. And I've noticed that she has made an effort to engage with a lot of younger filmmakers. You know, Kantamir Balagov is an interesting example. She helped him come into the United States. Uh, from Russia when, when the Ukrainian war started with, with his partner, Kira, who's also a filmmaker. And I feel like that's that's a key aspect of this, how much of that she can sort of do, you know, in her own way, as opposed to just trying to do a luddy of sorts. I don't know, but that the idea but of filmmakers want to be. there's a group of people. There are yeah, a lot they of They have people. to want to She be has, no, she definitely has her own coterie. She has her own favorites. She's developed relationships of her own that... She's extraordinarily capable. She's been running the festival for the past few years. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and it's doing very well. And and as Peter Sellers, I mean, and no, it wasn't Peter Sellers. Peter Becker said, the Criterion yeah, yeah. Chief at this event, who's on the board of directors, Telluride's in great shape. It's just a question of, of the details and the nuances. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I was thinking about this in a larger sense when I was at San Francisco and going to that festival. It's the oldest film festival in the country. SF Film is, is you know, a, a big nonprofit and it has a very very engaged film community partly thanks to Tom Luddy's legacy but this is this whole idea of how smaller scale festivals maintain their influence right now when they're sort of stuck between one generation that's sort of getting older and may or may not be in the game much longer and then a younger generation that has to be sort of convinced that this is a part of their lifestyle to go to festivals to, to ingest cinema this way you know as journalists we do it for a career but filmmakers and, and and actors and so forth 
they have to decide that this is an important part of their regiment throughout the year and then it affects their network and so forth. I That's have to say that at, at least at the Luddy thing, which would be expected, it was it was an older group. Yeah. Well, that's 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 exactly that's the issue is, is how do you ingest that that younger generation? Um, but it was a good crowd in San Francisco. I know you've been at that festival before. Well, you hung really out good. with Boots Riley. Spent some time. I, you know, I, I tell you, I did not. Which I did when I went to that festival. I didn't have all, all these these trips to Oakland on, on my scorecard when I went out there. But I, but I ended up not only hanging out there, but really enjoying it and feeling like I, I, I haven't appreciated Oakland in the kind of broader Bay Area equation um, before and and would like to hang out there more. Not only Boots Riley, who's almost like the mayor of that place at this point, but also <laughs> I mean Ryan Coogler. They did the opening night screening at um, at the Grand Lake Theater, which is in Oakland, because it was uh, this documentary about Steph Curry that was at Sundance, and of course the Warriors were going to the playoffs in a matter of days. But also Ryan Coogler is a producer on that film, and he's from the area. He introduced the film and he pointed to the middle of the theater and said, you know, I saw my first movie here. It was just a really interesting kind of thing because it was expanding beyond this idea of, you know, this very metropolitan festival. But they have so, a whole foundation and a whole group of people that are in the business of giving money. Yeah, to Bay Area very well filmmakers. Yeah, and, yeah. And, and he was one of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and so the for festival, Fruitvale Station, yeah, yeah but it was which great then thing. went on to Sundance, et cetera, yeah, et cetera. Yeah. Yeah. No, 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 it was great. And now he's got this production company, and this documentary was sort of an extension of that. It was funny because Steph Curry himself was not there. He sent a video from uh, practice because they they had a, a playoffs game coming up. I don't know if you had a chance to see that documentary no. at Sundance. Um, I wasn't blown away by it to be honest with you, but. It was nice to see it with a crowd that was excited about it because they're Warriors fans, and he's a he's a great basketball player. Um, and then I watched the play, the first playoff game the next night, and it was like the sequel to the movie in a way. <laughs> um, they didn't win, but it was still a sequel to the movie in a way. So so that was pretty nice. And then the festival is closing with Boots Riley's new TV show, I'm a Virgo, which if you liked or even just respected the kind of crazy vision of Sorry to Bother You, this does not disappoint. It's about a 12 foot tall black man who lives in Oakland um, and uh, is basically kept inside for most of his life by his parents. And then he sneaks out one day and befriends some other people. Long story short, eventually the socialism creeps into it and there's like a worker's revolt and stuff. He gets politicized. But it's it's a crazy world that he builds out, really visionary stuff. And it's an Amazon show. So first of all, it's a really funny sort of irony that it's an Amazon show from this socialist guy. But also, it's just amazing they put money into him. He said it cost $53 million. Whoa. So, so one thing in your story that I found fascinating was that he had expected uh, Sorry to Bother You to do much better and yeah. sell at a higher price than it yeah. eventually did. I, I would say to you that he was listening to a lot of people blowing smoke at him yes. because they were plenty of reasons to recognize why sorry to bother you is not a commercial right. venture but um he uh was broke and i yep. and so the whole idea that he had to sort of come around to figuring out how to make a living yep. and use his wiles to sell something right well uh, also which not includes wanting to do work amazon yeah, right? yeah yeah he basically just started writing a lot his, his agents were like we can find you work if you have enough stuff that we can sell and so he wrote like four scripts uh but this is a guy who also you know is very much like driven by his values and is not going to, you know, direct some commercials to pay the bills and stuff. So it is a fascinating story. I mean, the whole idea of the Sundance breakout being so misleading, even somebody who's been in entertainment for decades like him as a musician. I don't remember you know, the exact 
uh, story. But what I do remember is 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 that he he had people telling him ways to edit that movie, and he refused. Right, he and was, you can feel it in the movie. He was very right? caught up in in his own. Yeah. I mean, I, lo- I love him, but he was very caught up in his own brilliance, and I think that uh, a little uh, uh, he humbled he he was humbled a bit. But I like I like this. I mean, when you see when you see I'm a Virgo, I'd love to discuss it with you because it's rough around the edges, but it's a pure vision, and I I kind of like when something is flawed to the point where somebody's like thrown their their the full weight of their their to this day spike vision, lee right? puts yeah. shots into his films that we could all yeah, argue but with. you know it's a spike a, lee but it's joint. a spike lee joint exactly and i feel like there's a sincerity to that that we we need from more creative people anyway why don't we talk about some movies that are opening i didn't get a chance to see chevalier unfortunately is that because and... the word on the street is not good so so it definitely was not well there are a few reasons why i would say it was not a, a priority for me when it was at tiff uh, the initial one being that it wasn't opening right away. It wasn't a fall awards movie. And if something is not that at TIFF, it's probably for me, I'm going to prioritize it because it's something really small that might not get noticed otherwise. So, I didn't so the point is, it. is they didn't put it in the awards yeah. uh, and, thing. And then and it didn't there's get a reason why. Yeah. yeah. And then the reaction was not great. So it fell lower on my priorities. So I checked it out and um, I, uh, I would give it a, a B. Yeah, I, I, it is not the best movie. Um, People love you know. bees. There's lots That's of like a very no, kind. One of the, uh, you know what it is? It's one of those. It's perfectly good looking. The actors are all good. It's a great story. Yeah. It is a fantastic story. So I sat down with the screenwriter, uh, Stephanie Robinson, who has written for Atlanta. She's written for What We Do in the Shadows. And she's a comedy writer and this and very uh, inventive and creative. And she pitched this story to Searchlight in her first general meeting without having prepared a pitch. In other words, she didn't have anything. Yeah. This was the thing she came up with that she'd always wanted to do yeah. for, since she was in high school. It's the black uh, know, Mozart. It's, is the, it's this guy from 18th century Paris from the court of Marie Antoinette, yeah. who's a, an incredible uh, musician, composer, violinist. He challenges Mozart to a duel and wins. And he is appointed a chevalier by Marie, his his sponsor, his his love, You're not, his, not romantically but his his admirer Marie Antoinette. So it goes on from there. He becomes a revolutionary. It's a great story. Of course. So what is the reason that it doesn't quite hang together? And you can just see, uh, read between the lines of my interview with her and 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 the movie itself that that it that Fox Searchlight Searchlight had to take it to theaters. It had to it had to make it presentable to an art house audience. And mm. somehow they shaved off the crazy edges i would have loved to have seen the crazier version of the this. irony to me is that there's undeniable interest in this story from a home viewership that may have in another era gone to see this in theaters but it was probably more satisfied now to watch it on hulu and i bet it could i bet do it does well. well in hulu exactly it's a it, it, in some ways is maybe a de facto hulu play you know, because of Searchlight being part of so, Hulu and Disney. again, another movie like Air that goes into theaters to uh, market uh, the eventual uh, home home release. So, so the other movie that's opening uh, this week is is Little Richard. I am everything. Uh, Lisa we should we show the other film. movie opening this week that's not the Guy Ritchie movie with Jake Gyllenhaal we didn't see. We so did not see it. We yeah. didn't see it. We did not One go. One day, perhaps. Uh, maybe they'll invite us to some screenings. I know. People really need to make the play for it. Would you, you know? please, <laughs> you know, let me know? Because I actually sometimes like Guy Ritchie movies. I mean, we, we can get into these things, but there's a no, lot we can, of stuff No, we have going. to call them up and ask yeah. for it. Sometimes we have to know ask, about it, you know? You know? Uh, but uh, Little Richard was at Sundance. It was, it was probably the documentary hit of Sundance because it ended up being picked up uh, 
by CNN Docs, which actually sort of doesn't exist yeah, anymore. Yeah. Um, and then uh, Magnolia, which is putting it in theaters this weekend. And uh, HBO Max, which is now Max. So uh, you will have a chance to see it in one form or another. But it's a delightful uh, approach to to the sort of complicated layers of Little Richard. I liked it. I, I thought it's Sundance. I thought there were some reenactment aspects of it that kind of bugged me. It was a little overproduced in that sense where you had like sort of modern day musicians performing I, di I didn't necessarily need all of that but what was what i appreciate about it is that it really foregrounds him as this queer icon absolutely which certainly was not part of his kind of populist legacy in in media for a long time i mean were you thinking of him as a you know queer icon when in the he had a know, persona early? that was pretty flamboyant and he put himself out there part of what um i did an interview with lisa which is which is on the site part of what we talked about was this idea that in a way the way he presented himself made people take him less seriously you know he was sort of right. bombastic and would rant about things well and then there was and a whole part say, where he, he kind of went back in the closet more or less right so. but the musicianship is there and he worked with james brown who was in his band he the beatles revered him the rolling stones revered him mick jaggers in the movie um right. and and he had and you know prince and, and little i mean someone like uh david bowie or elton john you could say that they he paved the way for yeah. them you know elvis was the king of rock and roll but we could argue that little richard was first yeah well there is a moment in the movie elvis that, that addresses that to, to a certain degree and of course little richard was continually reminding people of this throughout his life which is what makes it very sad in a way when you see him well when he complains that tutti frutti you know that elvis and you know what's his name uh, boone what was his first name horrible singer uh he that they that they actually made more money on tutti frutti than he did well the the, the the thing i learned about from this documentary is that the original lyrics were tutti frutti good booty so that tells you <laughs> he a had lot. to tone it down yeah yeah i know i had no idea now i i can't unhear that so it's, it's a super gay song i mean that's just so fascinating about it but yeah, I mean, I, I suppose there's a market for a documentary. It's a hard time for documentaries. We've talked about this a bunch before. But when you think about, like, in the last few minutes, we've talked about a big basketball player documentary and then a, a sort of a pop icon that kind of tells you where the market is for the uh, You the have form. to have somebody recognizable uh, and someone, you know, accessible. And I would say this is the, one of the more accessible docs that are going to be out there. They, the Tribeca lineup uh, came out, and there were so many movies. It's going to be in June again, which I still yeah. don't understand. Uh, why they're doing it then, but um, it used to be in April. Um, they, there's a lot of there's a lot of titles from people I've never heard of, actors in the movies I've never heard of. Uh, again, it's the docs that are more interesting. Yeah, in the, and, in and the end, ultimately the real question is what happens to a lot of those, including docs. I mean, a lot of docs at Sundance didn't sell. You know, the streamers aren't coming along and buying these things. They're making them. There's a bit of a dip in the market right now. Lisa yeah. was saying that she hoped that it would be corrected, you know, that it would move around to go back and forth. But at the moment, there's a bit of a dip. So meanwhile, on the narrative side of things, all kinds of open questions. But last week we talked about Bo is Afraid, which got all these, you know, celebratory headlines about how it was the uh, top limited release of the year on four in four theaters and uh, some of these are imax where you yes. get a premium price yeah yeah exactly so i'm very curious to see what happens we shall see you in the national. real world uh, yeah 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 but it's still i mean that's a 24 being yeah. clever as usual and the, and and you can't discount this is a company that doesn't talk publicly about their strategy you can't discount the anticipation 
that this will be a challenge in a wide release and what the play is there. Presumably part of it has to do with the fact that if you create the sense that it's done so well in New York and LA, then the anticipation is that much higher. I went on my run today. It becomes more of a must see. Yeah. I was listening on my run today to a conversation on the A24 podcast. It was just between Ari Aster and Joaquin Phoenix. And what was really interesting to me was that if this movie didn't have a built-in audience, it would be a terrible conversation. But you could tell it was like they didn't have to explain a lot of stuff because a lot of people are like so invested in the idea of these two guys working together that they would find that conversation interesting even if they hadn't seen the film yet. So they dropped it now and there's like no spoilers or anything. You can listen to that and then go see the movie and have a And you can time. read your article where you interview Ari yeah, Aster, yeah, where like, he doesn't answer a lot of the questions we had. more than you might think, though. So it, it is a bit spoilerish. But um, but I, I can't wait to see that movie again, as I said before. There's I mean, plenty to look at. I, and to and like my daughter saw it and we had this long conversation where she was bringing up the question for those of you who haven't seen it. Our hero, Joaquin Phoenix, marches through a lot of different terrains and different um, sensibilities in terms yeah. of his own ability to even deal with what's going on around him. And we talked about what impact all the different drugs he was taking was having mm. on on his uh, surroundings. Yeah. So that 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 was a, you know, you again, you could watch this movie and look at it from all different kinds here's, here's of another um, detail. realities. On, on the, yeah, on the uh, podcast for the two of them in conversation, Joaquin Phoenix says that he had a, like a pin clipped to his chest because his character has a chest wound in the movie so whenever you see him after that happens in the movie he's like actually feeling pain <sighs> so and apparently also his arm is wrapped up and he was holding like a, a thumbtack or something on it so he's like actually like hurting himself so even if you just look at the poster for this movie you see this guy who looks like he's in you know turmoil like he's really in turmoil we Not ran we ran another far. story where nathan lane talked about how there was this one scene that he thought should have been funnier and he had to talk uh phoenix into playing it in a different a different way yeah, and phoenix was saying oh well something like i'm not feeling it and and lane said you just won the oscar you can pull you can figure this out yeah, exactly <laughs> hopefully that helped um it's a funny scene yeah well i mean look we we continue to come back to it a week later so i'm curious to see how long the kind of you know expectations bubble up obviously well, this is uh, a sign that people are eager to see something that they've never seen before yes. right so so and, and i'm sure searchlight thought when they were making chevalier that it was something no one had ever seen so before. it's a story no one had yes. seen as opposed to you so know, that's the goal but right. you know what's going to happen now and this is what we'll talk about next is is that can comes along and it just sort of steamrolls a lot of existing buzz for stuff that's out there so how do things you know emerge on the other side you know of eric you're talking about that as if it does it it, 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 there's you're over there there's going to be uh, a lot of media there less than before i mean it gets smaller yeah but i mean for, for every the, year for but international it's not, cinema it's for, not for it's, it doesn't cinema. play back here it, it doesn't have any impact on well i'll give you box uh, office here in the united I'll give you states one, one example of a movie there that isn't even know. that much media there from well here. certainly if, if you have the european launch of indiana jones that can have an impact somewhere or another but also there's a trickle down effect where it's like even if something isn't a huge sensation I can if it wins a palm d'Or and gets really good reviews that or it happens gets a crazy to one reaction. or two movies yeah so we'll have a handful of things but nothing's gonna to drown out what's going on in art house theaters in the United States I don't know States. we'll see so I'm so not the, worried about that I, I, it's not worry it's actually I, I, I hope that something does because we need constant infusion of new 
movies to talk about and not just get stuck with well one we want to see you know? some of the movies that are in can actually show up here yeah. come back here so so get one, distribution here there's a new movie the the gondry michelle, michelle gondry. gondry yeah well before we get into that maybe we should note that the can announced its closing night film which is elemental the first non uh pete doctor directed pixar movie to premiere at the festival. They've had him for opening night, and I'll never forget, I went to it. I think it was for Up, and, and I, I walked, I was sitting in, the, in my seat, and they, did, they have the big screen, and they have Pete Doctor entering the house. They're showing him entering the house, and the big uh, um, announcer goes, Lotte, Pete, Doctor, and everybody <laughs> cheers. I've always gotten well, I'm sure a you kick that. out of and that. And then he kept coming back with Inside Out Absolutely. and stuff. So Elemental, I guess we'll see. I mean, I assume that because now Pete Doctor is running Pixar, he probably put in a call on that one. But uh, I actually, when I was in the Bay Area, I took my daughter on a tour of Pixar and it was off the record. But there was a lot of concept art and stuff up for Elemental. And it looks like a really cool world that they've built so i'm i'm always hoping for a great pixar film i mean of course uh, let's hope that that one crosses over and then yeah the other update that we got that you allude to is the director's Fortnite lineup and michelle gondry is really the only recognizable name there and that is unusual usually there's a few more perhaps american titles a few more people that you might recognize i mean coppola is francis coppola has been in that lineup i think Petra. i think i think sophia was made yeah you've had lineup. major film i mean there's also a hong Sang su film so he cranks those out okay. when he wakes up in okay the morning. that makes me feel somewhat better <laughs> but, but we but we were scratching our heads i mean there's a new new programmer there and, and obviously yeah, a, whole new a, team. a different sensibility yeah yeah um and then, uh, you know, but, but there could be a relatively small number of films that end up coming home to the U.S. from Canada. Yeah, it's a really interesting question. And that I one mean, doesn't have distribution. No, no, I know it doesn't. And most of the films, I mean, the other American films uh, or the only two American films are, are very small and kind of open questions. One is from Sean Price Williams, who's this cinematographer. He shot a bunch of the Safdie stuff, in, including uh, Good Time. And uh, it's called The Sweet East. And the other is called, and I, I wrote this down because it's hard to remember, the feeling that the time for doing something has passed. It's a BDSM comedy from a director named Joanna Arno, who's a New Yorker, and, and um, Sean Baker is an EP on that one. Um, so these aren't movies that will necessarily excite a lot of buyers, but every year we say that it might be a slow market and people show up wanting to buy movies. One so. of them could break out. Exactly. It, it could absolutely happen. So it's a real open question. But on I mean, even, even the Todd Haynes movie isn't, it doesn't have distribution, some, right. which is which is in competition. I mean, that's an unusual thing. Yeah, well, somebody was telling me they thought it was possibly a good thing in the sense that it's got Julianne Moore and Natalie Portman, and the expectation is that it's the movie that will sell well at the festival. I mean... Last year, you had Triangle of Sadness, and it got a Neon lot of Neon picked it up. Yeah, and it got nominated for Best Picture. So it's not necessarily a bad sign so much as maybe a gamble on the current market. And sometimes those gambles don't pay off. You saw that with all these Sundance movies that didn't sell or sold for way less than what they were made right. for. And I'm sure this one was costly, so they're going to be looking for a big buyer. I mean, Netflix has been known, even though they don't show movies at Cannes at the moment, Oh, no, to their acquisitions people are going to so, be there. Yeah, something Absolutely. could happen with any, any of these big Most of the companies. Netflix movies will be showing up in Venice, um, which is a whole other question right. later on. Right. And with the fall uh, festivals later on. So that's when we're going to see those titles. So and the thing, other explanation for why um, Killers of the Flower Moon, which we do have a, 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 an official length 
right, three hours right. and 26 minutes. Not the thing that, that all these no, people, people were reporting through our 50 whatever. Crazy numbers. Reports. People claim you things are reported You have to remember where your source is coming from. Yeah. And then or the, like call and ask for confirmation from the company. It's That's like journalism three, 101. <laughs> three minutes shorter than the Irishman. So, yeah. so there you are. But it is... Um, the one another reason for it not to be in competition is that it doesn't have to follow the uh, strictures of, of distribution exhibition in France. It doesn't right. have to do the window. Right, right, right. It, it, so that's that's that so makes it frees sense. it up a bit. That makes sense. Frees it me. up a bit. Yeah, but I can't wait to see that movie. I mean, I'm so curious about it and on so many different levels, and especially because you know it's like after the Irishman, Scorsese's with an, another big streamer. So presumably he, he's happy with this relationship, but we'll see, you know, how its identity kind of goes on from Cannes because it doesn't open until way later in the year. So it's going to be a long It'll probably be a completely though. different movie. Yeah, we'll see. It'll he'll be like go back two and in the editing hours. room and he'll yeah. make it longer yeah, or he'll make it shorter. A lot of long movies at Cannes. But he's a done scared. a lot of long movies. I mean, what? why is everybody in a tizzy about this? And he's, then you go and binge Martin Scorsese has a list of about 10 movies that yeah. are yeah, incredibly yeah. long. Yeah, I mean, binge viewing is essentially the same thing. It's just that, you know... It's a question of whether the movie itself time. holds up. I sat through The Irishman twice didn't move a muscle either time yeah it's a great movie so i guess we'll see all right well next week maybe we'll get a chance to talk about guardians of the galaxy maybe can will add some movies i know there are some whispers about about that with the competition not being fully fleshed out um but you'll be back in la so do you have a title uh, or two to dangle in no, front of i us? wish i did i mean Yoros Lanthimos would be nice, but who knows? Maybe that's a Venice title. So I, I don't don't report that. Anybody who's, who's listening, call your sources. So. Okay. See you. See soon. you later. And it's good to see you in person. See you too, man. <laughs>